Hey, it's Rock and Roll Bedtime Stories. My name is Brian, and this is a retold episode, a re-uploaded older episode of the show that pertains to something we've been talking about more recently. In this case, we're looking at episode 53, rewinding all the way back to uh, an episode called Rock and Roll versus Stuttering. But just going to uh, re-upload here the second half of that episode, because the second half of that episode is about... Randy Bachman and Bachman Turner Overdrive. And recently on the show, I just spent some time talking about Randy Bachman and his missing guitar and that fun story. So if you've just enjoyed that and you want a little more BTO content, here you go, all the way back from episode 53. This is the story of Randy Bachman, his brother Gary Bachman, and the song that was never supposed to be a song, let alone a hit record. Enjoy. Dave Marsh, when he was writing in the Rolling Stone Record Guide, called this song, quote, a direct steal from the Who, but an imaginative one. The chords of the chorus riff are very similar to ones used in Baba O'Reilly, and the stuttering vocal is reminiscent of my generation. And that song is You Ain't Seen Nothing Yet. Oh, Are you going to tell us about this song now? I got, I'm ready. I got to say, I have never heard the Who connection, like the Baba O'Reilly in that riff, or in that like those chords, but it's totally there. Dun, dun, dun. It's, this, yeah. it's the same thing. Uh, oh, yeah. that thing. Oh, yeah. wow, that is the same thing. It's the same. I've never noticed that before until I read this, and I was like, what are you talking about? That doesn't sound like Baba O'Reilly. And then I like... Put it on and went. Oh, that's that might be the exact same courting. Um, down, down, down. Out here in the streets. Okay, I know you don't love the Who, but it's you, fine. You love Bob O'Reilly though, right? Like yeah, Bob O'Reilly's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I even kind of like it when God by Voices plays it. But no, I it's it is a great song. What's I like your, a quick one. A quick one while he's away. Like there's a couple of Who songs I really like. How about my wife? On the who's yeah. on who's next? Yeah, it's okay. Ah, come on. Okay, so tell me your relationship to Bachman Turner Overdrive. Um. Well, let's see. I, I think I work with this really handsome man, and we we worked at a radio station that probably played that song a lot. Um, yeah, we did. And then I do remember, I do remember at some point trying to learn that song on the guitar because and still not even piecing together what it felt like it was ripped off from. Yeah. That, they, that Marsh said that it was, that it was ripped off from, because I was trying to figure out that, dah, 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 and I didn't think about how you let it ring out. And that's the, yeah. If you, song. if you just let it sit, it would, it would be Bob O'Reilly. So the whole BTO story is pretty fascinating and it should be noted that the stutter in this song has absolutely nothing to do with the who. Um, this is a really fun story, even though it gets compared to the who by virtue of having the stutter, um, it, it that that is not the inspiration behind it. We're gonna get there, but just the riff. <laughs> yeah, just the riff. Just everything else about it. Uh, I was on an episode of Two Seventy Eight to Lighthouse Road back in May, and and Jay on that show and I were talking about beach songs, and we ended up weirdly we got on this weird tangent where we started talking about Canadian music and how some practical things the government has done there have given a lot of people a chance to make a career in the arts. Right now. I bring that up to remind folks that while the Guess Who may not feel as big as The Who to us in the United States, 
they were a big freaking deal in Canada. And Randy Bachman was their guitar player. So that iconic riff that starts American Woman, that's Randy freaking Bachman. That, that guy's an icon. Yeah. Now, these dudes hit the big time in 1970, and Bachman at that point, despite the success, is kind of starting to drift away from the band, both musically and ideologically. He puts out an instrumental solo album. Like, right? Like, America Woman is at the top of the charts, and he's like, you know what I'm going to do? No lyrics. <laughs> no lyrics. Uh, he, he gets sick, and he takes some time off, and eventually, he and Burton Cummings, who is, like, the, the voice and the guy behind the who. Uh, the kid who was like running that band from behind the keyboards, they're not getting along. And so this is probably partly because Bachman became a Mormon and being a Mormon and having high levels of rock and roll success in the early seventies are not like super compatible lifestyles. (laughs) No, no. (laughs) So I said, I set this up to say that in 1970 at the height of the guess who's success, Randy Bachman leaves voluntarily. And he's since said about that time that by leaving Guess Who, he was labeled as, quote, a lunatic and a loser, and that, quote, nobody wanted to work with me. Now, there was an wow. exception. There was an exception. Chad Allen had sang lead vocals in the Guess Who four years earlier, and he had, he had left way before Randy. And so they get back together. They're both, you know, they have this common past. And they end up starting something up and recruiting basically just like Bachman's brothers. And they create this band called Brave Belt. Have you ever listened to Brave Belt before? No, and it's a really funny name. (laughs) (laughs) Brave Belt put out two records, Mark. I had never heard of Brave Belt. So before, between Guess Who and and frickin' uh, Bachman Turner Overdrive, Brave Belt has two albums. And it's like... A little more country, a little less rock and roll. It's like super jangly, um, and and nobody nobody liked it. Like let's just so for just so you can hear it. This is called another way out. So this is what Randy Bachman is doing. Him, his brothers, Chad Allen, who had sang in the Guess Who early on, put out two records as, as Brave Belt, and it just like doesn't work. It doesn't work. Uh, they have a record deal, and people are just not super interested in it. Um, and so what ends up happening is they end up adding this guy named C.F. Turner to the band. And the reason they add him is that Randy is talking to another Canadian musician named Neil Young. You might have heard of him. And Neil Young's like, oh, if you need um, if you need somebody else in your band, like I think they needed somebody to tour with him or something. He was like, you need this guy, C.F. Turner. He's like, oh, what's he been doing? Oh, he's the vocalist uh, in this cover band in Winnipeg. <laughs> and so they they go and get him and he's like the guy that they need. He like changes the band and changes the sound and starts writing the songs and and Chad Allen ends up quitting. I think it's amicable. Brave Belt's second record doesn't sell either. Uh they get dropped and Bachman is like the last guy that any major label wants to touch, right? He left the guess who, he starts this other thing nobody likes. He gets 22 rejection letters 
he sends. I mean, there weren't that many labels, right? In the seventies, twenty-two. He yeah, gets twenty-two everybody. rejection letters. He actually says at one point, I read this quote where he said they had considered uh, on a greatest hits album for BTO, like just printing all the rejection letters because he kept them, like printing them in the liner notes. Yeah, which would have been great. pretty funny. Uh, that would have been that would have been an amazing piece of rock and roll memorabilia. I know. To have. I, I mean, I'm sure it'll end up in the Canadian Music Hall of Fame or something. I'm not sure they'll put it in Cleveland, but it'll probably end up in the Canadian Music Hall of Fame. Well, I bet. Uh, yeah. But eventually, through like this weird fluke, he gets interest from Mercury Records. Uh, Mercury Records. Uh, it's like this long story, but basically, like this guy's going through a stack of demos and he hears it and he's like, "Oh, I think I met Randy Bachman once," and they like they hit it off and so the guy who signs them is like, okay, this is cool, but we have got to get some distance from brave belt. Like you cannot call it brave belt anymore. Um, you rock harder now and we probably need to like capitalize on the things that have been successful about you before. So let's use your names. And there was this story that they had, uh, been playing around at times before with using their names and they, they were like reading overdrive magazine in a truck stop or something like, you know, and they like put everything together on a napkin, one of those sorts of stories. But this is how the real core band that we know as Bachman Turner overdrive happens. Now, remember how I mentioned they're Canadian? Um, this is a key point because we get to talk about how they broke in the U.S., which I find really, really interesting. So I know from our past radio days, I had a, a buddy that worked in an Upper Peninsula area, Michigan. And he explained to me about, and he actually worked in Port Huron, Canada at some point. Um, and there is a, or maybe Port Huron's in Michigan, and he worked on the other side of the border. Anyway, he worked in Canada, and he said that there were all these quotas of, you know, the Canadian artists you had to play right. and that sort of thing, right? Yes. We've talked about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what happened is Michigan and, like, Detroit area and Buffalo area radio stations got a hold of this because of, like, the overlap. Wow. And they started playing in those two markets. And this is actually pretty common for Canadian bands that break in the United States. It has to kind of like actually cross the border. But the best part of this story, and I bring it up only because we're old radio guys. If you've never listened to the show before, I apologize in advance. But this is a radio story that's so good. And if you've ever been in radio and you've ever been in radio promotions and marketing like you and I have, it I mean, it hits a, a spot in our hearts that is just hard to describe to anybody who hasn't dealt with something like this. So... This is how they break in the Midwest. C.F. Turner tells the story like this. I'm going to actually quote him. So we get a call from radio station KSHE in, in St. Louis, Missouri, and they're putting on a they're putting on a benefit concert, and they wanted they're looking for a band to headline that nobody heard of because the headline acts they booked all got bigger offers and weren't coming. So they're like, we don't even know who to book here because we can't really pay very well. And so we, everybody ends up like saying yes and then saying no when they get another offer. And so we already had the BTO album out. So they had something to play. So they literally start pretending like BTO are, are this huge band. Oh my God. And they, this is a hundred percent true. They play the record every hour and (laughs) they play every cut off the album. And it's a, it's a 150,000 watt station. 
So oh, wow. it hits across six states. The record company literally calls. The CF Turner says they called us and said, what the hell is happening? We ship 10,000 records to St. Louis in one week. They get there. They don't really know the specifics of what they're playing. It's a show at a drive-in theater. 15,000 people. The region had been so saturated with the album, they had no idea this band was Canadian. They just, and they knew all the songs because they had one album out and the radio station played every track off of it. That is that is so freaking awesome. And it's so typical of what you would do in radio promotion. <laughs> Yeah, it's like we're gonna break this record. Work in over time. Let's you know, pretend like this is the biggest band in the world, even though they're a band from Canada that nobody's heard of. Yeah. So That's fantastic. They're they're good fashion old fashioned road dogs, man. I mean, they had some real twenty twenty spunk in uh in the early seventies. They played three hundred shows in their first year of existence. <laughs> right. yeah, that's, that's insane, man. man that, that's a lot that's a lot of energy. Wow. So let's get to the song in question. And this will have us fast-forwarding a few years to 1974. Let's talk about You Ain't Seen Nothing Yet. One of the band's biggest hits, actually, not only was it not meant to be on an out al- on their album, it was not really meant to be a real song. Randy Bachman starts messing around with this song structure while they're recording that third album. It's called the album ends up being called Not Fragile in 1974. And what he was really doing was like challenging himself on rhythm guitar. So do you know do you know the name Dave Mason? Yeah. Yeah. So sure. other guy in traffic, not yeah. Steve Winwood. Yeah. And he's playing uh this Dave Mason song, or he'd heard this Dave Mason song called uh Only You Know and I Know. And there's a very specific sort of acoustic guitar. Just check this out. This is that song. If you ignore right. the vocals and you just listen to what the acoustic guitar is doing there, that rhythm, you can definitely hear the similarities to what happens in You Ain't Seen Nothing Yet, right? So yeah. this okay. this is what Randy Bachman is vibing on at the time, right? He's really he's into this song and he's like, oh, I'm going to figure out how to kind of incorporate that sort of acoustic guitar playing. So he's in the middle of doing that and he starts to do it in the studio a lot. So let's pause here for a second and discuss something relevant to the story that's going to resonate more if you have been in a band at any point in your life. And I know you have, Murdoch. So think back to your days in a band and think about like that moment when you're getting ready in practice where you get all tuned up and you guys are all start like falling into the playing the same song. Like maybe it's a cover, maybe it's just a riff, maybe it's like one of your own tunes. But often you do this regularly with the same song. Can you remember any songs you used to warm up with in the bands you were in? Yeah, uh, "Sick of Myself" by Matthew Sweet. Nice. Um, "Glad Girls" by Guided by Voices. Great, great one. Um, "Barracuda" by Heart. Oh, nice. Uh, <laughs> um, no. Yeah, those are those are just kind of yeah. Those are the covers or whatever. But no, we would we had like an we had one song. It was like the second song in the set, and we would we would warm up to that song. Okay, perfect. When you're regularly tuning up and getting the sound right, like in a recording studio, there is a technical term for this throwaway music that you're playing, right? Yeah. What is, what's the throwaway it's, music it's, called? It's called a work track. Oh, 
Okay. You're like making sure that everything's going to record right and the mics are turned on and that the levels are right and all that sort of stuff, right? So sometimes tape is running. And that's what this tune became for BTO, is they were going into the studio and getting the session started each day for this Not Fragile record. They'd like warm up and vamp on this song fragment. And Randy was slowly like putting almost like silly words to it eventually. Now, remember when I said at the beginning of BTO, uh, at the beginning of the BTO portion of this deal that Randy, when he left Guess Who, brought family into the band? Yeah, the brothers or whatever. Yeah, so there was one brother, and then later there was another brother, and then at the beginning of of uh, Brave Belt, his brother Gary was the original manager. <laughs> Eventually, he encourages them to move on to another manager, and he moves on to do another stuff. And I believe he ended up selling real estate later in life. Um, but here's a little factoid about Gary Bachman. Gary Bachman had a stutter. Oh, and this is about him, right? So, well. When they would play this as a work track, Randy Bachman had thrown some lyrics together, and as an inside joke, when they were testing mics, he would do this like stuttering impression of Gary. Now, here's Randy speaking. He says, then one day I called Randy up. We played him this with me impersonating him, and we told him just to, just to mess with him. We were like, dude, this is going to be on the album. It was only to get him riled up. But it wasn't really even a finished song. He just made up and riffed on those silly lyrics, and he would stumble around on the fa 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 and the ba 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 baby, right? Now, Mercury Records strikes again. We talked about how they ended up getting BTO and turning Brave Belt into BTO. They made some good decisions. They get this album, Not Fragile. It's the third record, and they listen to it, and they say, okay, it, it's, it's fine, but there are no hits, what are we going to play on the radio? So the band doesn't really know what to do. Uh, that's not the feedback you want to hear from your label, right? Especially when you've had kind of a tenuous relationship with your labels and, and you know, you've, you're on the only one that'll take you. So probably at the depressing band meeting where this development is revealed, some of the band members ask Randy Bachman, they're like, well, what about the work track we've been doing? And they just need to save the album at this point. So Bachman reluctantly mentions that he had this ninth song, but he's like, dude, it's not really for a record. It's a joke. I'm laughing at the end. I sang on the first take. It's sharp. It's flat. I'm stuttering because I'm doing this thing to mess with my brother. And the guy from Mercury is like, no, 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 play it. So <laughs> he That's listens awesome. to it. And and like before it's over, he looks at him. He's that that that's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. It's got a brightness. It kind of floats a foot higher than everything else on the record. This is it. So reluctantly, Bachman's like, okay, I guess. I mean, I guess we can put it on the album. So he they resequence the album to fit it in. But his condition, he says, I will let you. I we will use this song, but you have to let me re-record the vocal. Because this is all an inside joke that's gone awry, and he can't actually have the stutter on the record. So he goes in, and he sings it straight. And again, here's a quote from Randy Bachman. I tried to sing it normal, and I sounded like Frank Sinatra. So, Baby, you ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> I was going to oh, ask baby, you Baby, you ain't seen nothing yet. Here's something. <laughs> here's something you won't forget. <laughs> Oh, babe. <laughs> it makes it into a stupid song, uh, right? Yeah, Mercury's like, nope, you got to leave the stutter. That is his first take. I'm pretty sure. <gasps> no I'm, way. I'm pretty sure oh it's I'm not sure if it's the first take, but I think it's the. I'm, it might be the original take. I'm a little unclear on that. But 
Three things to bring the story to a happy ending. Number one, this prank Randy played on his brother makes him very wealthy. Just like Jet Airliner that we talked about a few weeks back on the show, major source of mailbox money. Um, it also gets used for all sorts of stuff. Like, just think about pop culturally how often you hear that song. They, I mean, they leveraged the hell out of it. So it gets used for sports coverage. It gets mentioned as part of this gag on what becomes a legendary skit on this SNL-type Canadian sketch show. And they, they use they use it to sell crap. They use it to sell all kinds of stuff. And of course, the song gets covered, including by a British rap group called Bus Stop. Now, <laughs> this is Play it. this Play is it. oh my god. So you gotta you gotta hear this part of the story. So Randy Bachman <laughs> clearly doesn't give a crap. All he is he is at a certain point in his career, he is just about the money. So this is I'm pretty sure by the references they make late 90s. Bus stop is hard to find. They're not on Spotify. I had to dig for this. But when they put out the video for this, it is in a they don't change the name. They call it you ain't seen nothing yet. Um they get Randy Bachman to re-record and sing the hook and be in the video. And l- <laughs> let me just tell you, it's amazing. So here's a little bit of You Ain't Seen Nothing Yet by Bus Stop. You know the way it goes. Randy and DAC turning it out. Uh, I highly encourage going to watch the video. And then when they hit the hook, Randy is there in sunglasses. Got to be 55 years old uh, singing his heart out. It's it's pretty amazing. And I, I, I admire the guy for just being like, you know what? Uh, if you want to pay for it, go for it. Because that song was never supposed to be a freaking song. <laughs> no, and, and th- think about... I guess at some point there has to be some sort of acceptance that you realize that yeah, you're like, not going to have to work. You're not yeah. really going to have to work much that you can license and do all sorts of stuff with this one song. A, a, a couple of quick things to put icing on top of the cake. Uh, after all this happens, Gary, the stuttering brother, uh, goes to speech therapy and ends up kicking the stutter. No more stuttering yeah. for Gary Bachman. So yeah, well, I bet he had some cash to go to stutter. <laughs> he got a, he got a good therapist. Um, yeah. And in 2011, this is totally real. The Stuttering Foundation, which I learned during the research that there are quite a few stuttering-focused nonprofits, uh, they issued a press release headlined "Stuttering to the Top of the Charts," which named "You Ain't Seen Nothing Yet" as the top stuttering song of all time on account of the fact that the song was inspired by an actual person who stutters and the fact that the person later found fluency through speech therapy. So there's your happy ending. Oh, that's great. I'm, <laughs> I'm glad, by the way, I'm, I'm glad we didn't take a left turn and get to Mel Tillis and start, <laughs> and start talking about country music stuttering because then we're just like borderline like vaudeville. I, I prefer the podcast <laughs> to stay with the rock and roll Oh, man. Um, if you want to get involved, we are the story guys at gmail.com. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, leave a review, uh, iTunes or wherever you download the show. Let people know you enjoy it. We really appreciate hearing those and seeing those. And they do, of course, help uh, other people to experience the show. And until next time, Murdoch, uh, I do this tastefully. What, what do we want people to keep doing? Keep telling stories.